on the Ten Commandments, and today, and I know most of you have already heard this story, but I love telling it, so I'm just going to tell you again. And if you've never heard it, great. If you have heard it, just smile and be like, wow, I pretend that's amazing. Um, but I met my wife in Stockton, California. My, my last semester at Bible college was her first semester. We crossed paths in the nick of time. Well, it depends on who you talk to. Arthur and Rachel might have said, man, she should have left a year earlier. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we crossed paths in the nick of time. And uh, before I met her, me and my two roommates were hanging out in our room. And in walks one of our friends, busts through the door, and he says, I just met my future wife. Well, it was the second semester. The new young ladies had just gotten on campus. And I said, what's her name? And he's like, I don't know yet. And I was like, man, you're a fool. Unbelievable. So he, he met his future wife. He's like, but she is beautiful. I was like, all right. So that night I went to dinner, and I was in the dinner line, and I'm going through. And I looked back, and I was like, whoa. There was a beautiful woman right behind me. And so uh, I ended up getting to uh, know her, of course. I strategically placed myself in her path. And uh, she told me her last name, and I was like, your last name sounds familiar. Well, we're trying to figure out. My grandpa planted some church in Wisconsin. What's his name? I don't know him. And my dad was in Wisconsin. I don't know him. And she's kind of going through the things. And then she says, well, I have a cousin that was married at a church in Milwaukee, Pentecostal Church. I said, what's his name? She said, Shane Mackey. Shane's been here before. And I said, were you at his wedding? She's like, no, we didn't get a chance to make it. I said, I was the best man in your cousin's wedding. Well, her cousin, his father died in a car accident. My, my father-in-law's brother, he, he died in a car accident. So I knew, and then his mom got remarried, so his name was Mackie instead of Schultz, but he was, he was just a little baby when, the, when his dad was killed in a car accident. So I knew enough of the story to recognize her name, but not enough to instantly place it. So it sounded like a corny pickup line when I was like, I recognize your name from somewhere. But I really did recognize her name from somewhere. And so I called my buddy, Shane. I said, Shane, guess who I'm standing next to? I handed her the phone. She chatted with him. Gives me the phone back. He's like, dude, that's my cousin. I was like, that's that's why I just called you. (laughs) And he said, you need to keep your eye on her. And so all these years later, I always tell him I'm still doing what you told me to do. And that man that came in my room that day, he met my future wife, not his. So... That's a, that, I did a really good job with that story. She tells me I tell long stories. So that was pretty good. I was succinct. I could go into more details if you're interested, but she yells at me for that. So that was about 17 years ago. One daughter, two sons, two dogs, six houses, two states, and one country ago. Eventually, we stood at an altar in front of hundreds of people on November 4th, 2006, and hundreds of dollars of flowers. Thank you, Arthur and Rachel, again. And we made vows to one another and to God that day. And today, I will say publicly that I love her more today than I ever have before. Vows didn't make too much sense back then. Oh, that's really nice. I don't know how you guys did that, but that's, that's really nice. There you go. Vows didn't make too much sense uh, then. You know, people say... Will you honor and keep her? I'm like, I'm standing here. We're getting married. 
Of course I'm going to honor and keep her. Who goes, uh, you know what, ah, now that you ask that question, I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but with all thy worldly goods to thee I, en- I endow. Uh, um, Jackie, I'm 26 with two bachelor's degrees. You're going to have a lot of school to pay back with me. Will you be faithful and love her alone? Of course. It's a dumb question. Why would preachers ask these dumb questions? Well, because vows are not for the days that we feel madly in love. The vows we speak are for the days when we're not. Vows are not based just on feelings. Vows are there for the days you feel like you might be falling in love with someone else. If marriage was just one lifelong college crush, there wouldn't be a need for marriage vows. There wouldn't be a need for this lesson, and there wouldn't be a need for the seventh of the Ten Commandments, which tells us, you shall not commit adultery. Exodus 20, 14, you must not commit adultery. So if there's one word that we can put with this seventh lesson, that is cheating. Lord, we love you. And God, this is, this is a, man, what a topic that we're going to be talking about. But one that is just absolutely, unbelievably vital to not only humanity in general, but definitely to the church. So Lord, help me to not get in the way of what it is that you're wanting to tell us tonight. And I believe you can really do some powerful things if our hearts and minds are open. So help those hearts and minds to do just that, be just that, to be open. In your name we pray. Amen. Adultery is one of the major suspects when marriage looks like a crime scene. But adultery was not God's idea. It was ours. God's idea is found way back in the beginning when it was just Adam and himself and a zoo, okay? It seemed like everyone had someone except Adam. Well, that, he wouldn't be single long. God created the perfect partner, a helpmate. And while Adam slept, God formed a woman from his side for him and from him. When he awoke, he was amazed at what he saw, and he called her name Eve, With one act, God created marriage and family. And to this day, hear me when I say, these are the two, these are two of the first earliest things he creates. And these are the two biggest things that are still being attacked in modern society. Marriage and family. Since that moment, the devil has been seeking to destroy these two things, marriage and family, because these two things are the bedrock on which not only society is found, founded, but also definitely the church is founded. The first marriage was God's perfect design, one man and one woman. And God gave them the gift of sexuality within the safety of this lifelong marriage with one another. But God knows our weaknesses, and he knows we often want what we shouldn't. Some very well-known rabbis in Jesus' day, they argued back and forth over marriage. Their names, and there were plenty, but I'm going to use some just as an example. Their names were Hillel and Shammai. And Hillel taught the marriage covenant was fragile. Feel free to check this out at your leisure. Make sure I'm telling you right, because it's historical. It could be broken at any time, Hillel said. He said, according to his writings, Hillel taught that a man 
could divorce his wife if she spoiled his dinner by putting too much salt on it. If she spoke disrespectfully of his parents in his presence, he could divorce his wife. If she raised her voice where the neighbors could hear her, he could divorce his wife. Another rabbi named Akiva, he came along and taught that a husband could divorce his wife if he found another woman more attractive. Some of you ladies, are, you don't even know these guys, and you're like, oh, you're getting, you're getting irritated. Just don't direct that toward me. I'm just reading you history. This is not me. These two made the marriage covenant as, fra- as just fragile, fine china, right, in the hands of a four-year-old. But there was Rabbi Shammai, and he taught that a husband could only divorce his wife if she was unfaithful to him. And they argued over this all their lives, and it was, ba- it was based on the passage from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24.1. Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a, divor- a, a document of divorce, hands it to her, sends her away from his house. When she leaves this house, she's free to marry another man. But if the second husband also turns against her, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her and sends her away, or, or if he dies, the first husband may not marry her again, for she has, not, she has been defiled. That would be detestable, the Lord. You must not bring guilt upon the land, the, the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession. So you read that and you're like, okay, there's, it's kind of jumbled up. Like, how do, we, how do we make our way through all of this? And so even the rabbis of Jesus' day would still grapple with this, and they would be like, well... This is allowed, this is not allowed, he can do this, she can't do this, she can do this, he can't do this. And they would go back and forth about this. And so as soon as Jesus left Joseph's carpenter shop, he began his ministry at the age of 30. One of the burning questions they had for Jesus is, everyone wanted to know, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Where do you stand on marriage and divorce? What do you, and you read about, they, they recorded this in the Gospels. So people would come to him, sometimes trying to test him, because really, no matter where you'd say, you were always siding with somebody and ostracizing someone else. And so they were trying to get him to go, hey, he's got so many people following him. Let's at least get someone angry at him and ask him this question. And so Jesus surprised a few folks when they were looking for a loophole Jesus didn't look for the loophole. He actually raised the bar, which is everything that the law does, or I mean that the, that the New Testament does. People want to say the law, but what Jesus, he came around, he, he grabbed principles of the law, and he elevated them. And so the Pharisees and the ultra-religious had set the bar at the lowest level. Sexual purity was don't commit adultery. That's it. They believed that as long as they could clear that bar, they were keeping themselves pure. They could look and lust all day long. As long as they didn't act, they were pure. Jesus walks up, raises that bar just a few notches. And he says in Matthew 5, 27, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. This is what we're talking about. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman... Granted, very gender-specific at this time, but this works for women men. Who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Uh-oh. They want to hear that. They're like, uh. Hear me when I say this. This might be the coolest thing I say all night. Adultery doesn't begin with the act. 
It begins with the appetite. Your flesh has an appetite. And if you feed the wrong things, you will do things you never thought you would do. I, talked, I touched on that a couple weeks ago with murder last week. Now, I know nobody here, like, that's preposterous. That's crazy. But when someone allows themselves to hate someone long enough, you can get into some crazy stuff. Because the human heart cannot be trusted. It's wicked. And this is why we have to examine our heart regularly. We go, God, what's in there? Bring to the surface. Wipe it away, Lord. I don't want that. Help me examine my heart, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Because adultery does not begin with the act. It begins with the appetite. Jesus wasn't impressed with Hillel's or Akiva's low view of marriage. God designed marriage as a beautiful, lifelong covenant between one man and one woman. Yes, I'm saying that on purpose multiple times. It reflects his plan with his own church. This is why he calls us the bride of Christ. It literally was meant to be a reflection of what he designed for his church. No matter how many comedians make jokes, marriage is not a lifelong sentence, a lifelong, it is a lifelong covenant. Husbands, she's not your old lady, she's your wife. Wives, he's not your old man, he's your husband, okay? We have to know, your friends might joke about a ball and chain, but as Christians, we have to uphold that the fact that marriage is absolutely beautiful, and that's the way God designed it. And so, when God was looking for a way to relate to us, he chose marriage. And all through the Old Testament, he referred to courting and marrying the love of his life. Do you know who that was? Israel. Read through the Old Testament. It is jam-packed with him talking about Israel, his bride, the love of his life. He pursues her. He provided for her, protected her, met her needs and wants, took care of her, fought for her. He defended her, but she cheated on him. If you read through the, it is, it is an account about God pursuing his bride and his bride cheating on him. She committed adultery. She worshipped so many other gods, even gods who demanded child sacrifice, like we talked about a couple months ago. These gods were designed by man's broken mind and sinful hands. God reached for her, but she refused. He sent one prophet after another to woo her back, to call her back, and she refused. After one failed attempt after another to draw them uh, back, Jeremiah records the dark day that, it got, that God actually issues Israel a certificate of divorce. He sent her away and basically says, if she wants me to leave her alone, I will leave her alone. Look at what Jeremiah says. I thought after she has done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return and her faithless sister Judah saw this. She saw that a divorced faithless Israel because of her adultery. But that treacherous sister Judah had no fear, and now she too has left me and given herself to prostitution. He's talking about Israel and Judah because there was a divided kingdom after the time of Solomon. It was still one nation that God had designed there, but they divided into two kingdoms. And he's saying, Israel already done committed adultery. I thought Judah would be different, but Judah was not even afraid of what she saw Israel done. And now she's in prostitution, and she's divorcing me too. 
God wanted to be in a marriage covenant with his people, these nations, to be in a committed, as we would know, committed marriage. He wanted to say, this is my bride. Israel's my bride. They are my people. But they didn't want to be in covenant with him. They were corrupt. Her priests were even corrupt. After numerous failed attempts at reconciliation, God gave Israel what she wanted. She wanted out, so God let her go. Maybe God gave us the seventh commandment, not only because adultery breaks the law, but because adultery also breaks his heart. Adultery begins with asking questions about how close you can get to a line but still be on the right side. Adultery, what we must remember, is willful sexual relationship or the thought of willful sexual relationship with someone who you are not married to. You have not been married, exchanged vows, and been married to that person. And that, anything outside of that is sexual sin. It's very clear in the 21st century. You can almost feel the tension. Did he just say that? I'm going to tell you the truth. And no matter what society is saying, if there is sexual activity with anyone other than someone you're married to, it is sexual sin. Keeping a marriage happy and holy is not easy. Our world right now, this, if this is a newsflash to you, I don't know how you missed it, but our world right now is sexually driven. It is everywhere. Social media, billboards, books, plays, TV, movies, schools are pushing it too. I'm hearing stories about kindergarten teachers talking to classes about sexuality. What in the world is going on? It'll snow on the sun before married men and women are no longer tempted by what we see. Temptation's not sin. What you do with the temptation is sin. There are some things we cannot unsee, and that's why God commands us to guard our eyes. Like Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. To be like David, he said, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. But what we see in passing is different than when we get a pulled muscle in our neck, flipping it around to, to take a double, a double take at what already passed. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are, another thing I will say, and I'm just going to touch on some of these things, and if you get mad, you can pray and then come back for Easter and we'll all celebrate. But if you're putting on certain clothes, thinking about who you might run into that day at work, you better get drastic in your planned upcoming changes or your life is going to be destroyed probably pretty soon. Jesus said, lust with your eyes is already adultery in your heart. I have heard fools say, well, just because I'm a diet, I'm on a diet, doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. Anybody ever heard that before? I've literally had people say that, and I'm like, 
What did you, excuse me? Once we have made and exchanged vows, there is no more menu. We're in mixed company, so I'm trying to be very careful how I navigate this, because I know some people, you say the word sex, it makes everybody uncomfortable, but, like, it's a real thing, okay? I think everybody here knows that sex exists. But once you've made and exchanged vows, there's no more menu, okay? There's no room for envy. There's no sending back what you've already ordered and asking for something a little younger, prettier, richer, taller, or more sensitive. If she's not your wife, don't flirt with her. If he's not your husband, don't be alone with him. Well, I just, you know, I just, I wanted to see. I feel like I was strong enough. Why? I'm just going to start a fire in the middle of the living room, but I don't think it's going to burn the house down. I just want to see. The firefighters would show up and say, why are you a moron? Premarital, extramarital, polygamous, polyamorous relationships, they're all out of bounds for Christians. Scripture calls sexual sin fornication. It's a loaded word that comes from the Greek word pornea. Guess what word we get from that Greek word? Pornography. And if Jesus was walking the streets in our day, he would preach so loudly against pornography. Now, somebody, somebody's already going, is he really going to go here too? You might as well just hit it all in the same night, right? Well, you should reserve that for when the youth are back and talk to the youth because they have the hormones going on and they need to hear about pornography. Well, that'd be a good thought, but unfortunately, statistics show that several people sitting here tonight are dealing with it. Now I know. Some of us are going, what? No way. Others are going, oh God, I hope he doesn't know. Statistics show there's people dealing with it right now. And porn is just as damaging to a marriage as a physical extramarital relationship. Now, I know people disagree with me. Well, no, I didn't hurt nobody. Let's talk about that. You cannot unsee the images or videos you see online, and you will soon lose respect for the opposite sex and for yourself. You'll begin to see other people as objects to satisfy your sexual appetite rather than someone who was created in the image of God with a soul that he died on a cross for. Adultery is deceptive. It might appear alluring, even exciting, but it is deadly. Adultery is a sin against everyone. Okay? It's a sin against God. Adultery strikes at the heart of God because it strikes at the heart of the marriage covenant that he created. Matthew 19, 6 says, since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together, okay? Every marriage that everybody says, I with this ring, I thee wed, for in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, my worldly goods to thee I endow, I will love you forever and no one else, I will be faithful and true, all these things, God is going, I intend that to go on forever. 
When God joins a man and a woman together in holy matrimony, another man or a woman should not break apart what God has joined together. Believe it or not, your marriage and how much you love your spouse is designed to be a walking, living brochure to advertise to the world how much God loves us. Adultery is sin against God, and of course, adultery is a sin against your spouse. Adultery is a searing sting against your spouse. Many times, adultery will strike a fatal blow to a marriage that ends in a bitter divorce because adultery erodes the foundation on which a happy and holy marriage is built on. I know many of you would say, well, that's God. Yes, absolutely, a happy and holy marriage should be built on God. But I'm talking about something else, and that's called trust. Trust. Even if they reconcile, adultery causes the wife to wonder why her husband isn't home from work. Causes the husband to wonder who keeps texting his wife. The wife wonders what her husband is looking at on the computer so late at night. And the husband wonders if she still thinks about that coworker. Adultery is cruel. It's also a sin against yourself. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. If we are Bible believers, read that again. Yeah, but you know, sin, and we all sin. You know, just don't judge because they sin different than you. And yeah, you know, we're all sinners. And this sin, Paul says, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. Because you are feeding something that is so against God's plan. Sexuality is beautiful, and it is God's plan. But like the fireplace example, a fire in the fireplace is amazing. A fire on the living room floor is not amazing. It all just depends on what the confines are. And he says, it's against your own body. And what does he say? How many times do we read in the scripture, put on the whole armor of God, stand, pray, fast, call on the Lord. This is one of the times, only time you'll see. When he starts saying, man, your husband is a lucky man. He won't even know what he's got. Don't stand there and go, oh, really? (laughs) When she starts saying, your wife does not show you the respect that you deserve. I know, I've been telling her. (laughs) Don't hang around that. Why? I'll be very honest. Because we all like that. I don't care who you are, how happy you are in your marriage. You hang around that long enough and somebody starts, that's why in our house we aim, this is my number one fan and this is her number one fan. 
Why? Because then everybody else that gives us compliments, thank you, that's very nice. She sings well. Oh, you preached well, thank you. Oh, that was a nice suit, nice dress. Oh, thank you. But I don't need to look for anybody else to compliment because I know that she's my biggest fan. So I have to try and find that from someone else. So really, adultery is not just the person, but I think both parties in a marriage have a responsibility to protect your marriage. And so... Sexual sin, that's something you don't mess with. Run, get out of there, run, 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 run. Why? Because at the heart of every man and woman, there is sexuality. And it's not something you stick around and play with and say, whoa, I just want to see, I should be fine, I think I'm strong enough. No. Adultery doesn't just hurt him or her, it hurts you. You'll never be the same, you'll never have the same innocence. Even if your spouse forgives you from the day you committed adultery till the day Jesus comes, the devil will fire reminders of what you did long after you repented. Does God forgive? Yes, he does. As far as the east is from the west, but the devil has not forgotten one of your sins. And he makes it his mission to make sure that you don't forget either. Adultery is a sin against the family. One of the greatest gifts we can give our children is safety knowing mom and dad will always be together. Adultery rips that safety at the seams. So what do we do from here? I mean, no doubt, there's probably someone in this, watching online, sitting here, that you've committed adultery. God forbid you're committing adultery right now. So what do we do? Because it'd be a pretty poor message, just beat someone over the head and say, now leave. And, I mean, like, so what do we do? Because if we look and we say, all right, we got a group of people here. We're not going to open up and share where we're at. But there are some who are married, some who are widowed, some who are divorced, some who are single. There are some who are happily married. There are some who right now you're speaking, you're going, I hope my spouse listening. I hope he's listening. I hope she's listening. There are some who you're just starting to dabble in this world and there's someone at work or you're, lives close to you and you know, you've exchanged number and you had a good reason to give the number out. But it started to go down a different road and you know, as my dad would say, my spider senses are tingling. But you haven't really done anything wrong yet. There's others that have done this and you're still living under guilt and you're like, oh, I feel horrible. There's others who are doing it and actively engaged in it. So what now? Well, if you've committed adultery already, the first thing to do is repent. Repentance is not saying I'm sorry and going and calling the person back again. It's I got to change my ways and I have to do whatever means necessary to do so, even if it's unbelievably painful. I have to get away from this. Ask God to forgive you. Ask your spouse to forgive you if you're married. And get into counseling as fast as humanly possible. If you're playing with that fire right now, stop. Take this on a Wednesday night in April as a warning from Almighty God that he is reaching to you and he's calling you to stop. If you're married, 
set of safeguards. Ah, that'll never happen to us. I always say this. For me as a man to say that would never happen to me would mean I'm smarter than Solomon, stronger than Samson, and a better man than David. And I don't, I don't really, I'm not really comfortable saying I'm any of those things. So for me, sometimes the greatest strength is knowing your weakness. Going, all right. Hmm. I know that there is capability in my wife to find another man attractive. And I know there's capability in me to find another woman attractive. So I'm not going to feed the flesh here. We're going to set up safeguards. We're going to make sure that everything we do is wise. We're going to make sure. So first, if you like to take notes, here's a couple things to give. I'm going to give you six things as we close this out. The first thing is make sure you have daily devotion with God. Don't try to go through prayer. Or don't try to go through a day without prayer, without devotion. Because every day I wake up and just go into my day, I'm, I'm basically saying, God, I got this. I can make it through this day and I don't need your help. And so if I'm, a, if I'm a person who every day I'm deep, I'm in the word and I'm praying and I'm fasting, I'm doing these things, it's very difficult in a day where I've had devotion with the Lord to go out and make foolish decisions on a regular basis. You see what I'm saying? So that's a, that's a huge thing. Every day I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. Second thing. Never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, 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 ever, ever, ever be alone in a private place with members of the opposite sex. Anybody that's met with me knows I will, either my wife will be in the meeting, that's my preferred, not only because I want her there for accountability, because she is so unbelievably wise. And she hears from God. And so half the time, it's great because in a counseling session, she counsels and I listen. And I go, wow, that's really good. <laughs> we have these three little hooligans called kids. So she can't make all these meetings. So I prefer her to be there. Or I will have secretary, bookkeeper. I'll have someone in the church, from the church. And this is important because in the day and age we live, it's not just me and my temptation. It's the accusations that come today. So I'm just not going to deal with that. And so if I'm going to meet with someone, there's going to be someone else in the room. If there is, a, like, I can't arrange that to happen, then we will meet at Caribou Coffee or we will meet at Starbucks in a public place. And it's not because I don't trust you. It's not because I don't trust me. It's because I'm just not going to make provision for my flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And I'm, not, and I'm also defending my name and my reputation. Because all it takes in this day and age is to have one person decide, I don't like that church. Guess what this pastor said to me and tried to do to me? And even if I didn't, It'll be very difficult for me to remain in this community, continuing to pastor, even if I'm 100% innocent. So I have to be so careful, as do all of the rest of you leaders, 
and everybody in this church because we're all a reflection of this church and of Jesus Christ. The more time you spend with someone, the more you're going to be tempted to be attracted to them. <laughs> well, not always. Sometimes you're like, the more I spend with this person, <laughs> Lord help me. Some of you are like, yeah, that's my spouse. No. But there's... Third, build boundaries at work. Don't call, text, email, or message anything personal to one another. I understand in this day and age to tell a room full of people you can never email another person of another gender. Like, that's probably impossible in some of your work settings. Like, you exchange emails and text messages and calls, and it's part of your job. But the minute the email says, hey, did you get the folder I sent to you? It has to be handed in tomorrow at 9 o'clock, turns to, yes, I did. Hey, since we're traveling, did you want to grab dinner tonight? Yeah, I'm starved. Where are we going? So right off the bat, huh, I'm on a town, I'm on a work trip. It's just me. This lady's asking me to go to dinner. I'm hungry. She's hungry. We're, we're, we're going to a public place. You know those spider senses? Should be tingling. They should be going, eh, mayday, mayday, mayday. Maybe nothing's going to happen. There's nothing bad here. But why am I even going to go ahead and open this door? There's really no need. I can fill my stomach with room service. Don't share intimate details of your life with colleagues. Bring up your spouse anytime you feel like someone's approaching a line with you. You know what? You are such an incredible person. Your wife, she just doesn't know what she has. Oh, yes, she does. She tells me all the time. I'll tell you, that's why we've been married this long, because she is my biggest fan. Yeah, but we should go out sometime. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I think we've got a work uh, deal that we're going to be getting together. But, yeah, no, that's definitely not something I do. I always, I always, you, know, you just be straight. And if you want to be kind and stuff, that's fine, but you... The way you do that, in my opinion, is, oh, you should see a picture of my wife and kids. Have I ever showed you them? Check this out. I got three adorable kids. I miss them so much. Look at them. That way, I'm not being a jerk. I'm not being like, don't you ever talk to me like that, you flirtatious little. No, I'm not. I don't have to go down that road. I don't have to go down that road. I can just say, look at my wife and kids. They're adorable. I miss them. I can't wait to get back to my room and talk to them. I'm making it very clear. I'm a happily married man. Not like this happens all the time. I'm just using hypothetical examples. <laughs> like, who does that guy think he is? <laughs> really doesn't, but just hypothetical examples. Fourth, dress modestly. Men and women. But I do have to say, ladies, it's no secret. Men are stimulated by sight. It's a proven thing. If you just found this out now, I'm sorry. Modesty is a gift to one another. Don't invite men to look at your body by the way you dress. If the first thing that they look at is not your face, chances are, yeah, they could be perverted. 
But is there anything that I'm inviting? Men, compliment your wife's appearance regularly. Don't be an idiot. And be like, oh, that actress is gorgeous, and she's totally made up. She's not even real. And you start complimenting people that are out in Hollywood that are not even real people that are just Photoshopped images. Guess what your wife feels like? try and be more sexy for him I, he, he finds her attractive so I guess I have to try to look like her and half the time why a woman why a woman will struggle with holiness is because she's married to a knucklehead instead of celebrating babe I am so happy that I'm married to someone so beautiful that she doesn't need to put on all this fake stuff and you are just drop-dead gorgeous how you are right now. Right? Fifth, guard your eyes. Hollywood glamorizes extramarital relationships and affairs. I mean, like, for entertainment, people are watching these movies where... It, we, it has become so normalized where everybody's sleeping with everybody. It's on sitcoms and movies, and, and it's just part of life. No, it's not part of the Christian life. And so why are we putting in images from a Hollywood movie in, in, before our eyes that are glamorizing something we totally don't stand for? Don't wash trash that contradicts God's parameters. And sixth, set up the internet and filters and restrictions. Why? Well, I heard a statistic about the first time that children view porn is usually on accident. I mean, like, if we have devices, and we all probably do, multiple of them, and there's not filters on them, we're literally handing our kids the keys to the digital superhighway and letting them just drive free. I mean, would you hand your kids to the keys to the, without a license? Just say, go take it down 91, have it back, 291, have it back by 10 tonight. Like that, you'd be like, that's insane. I'm never gonna let my kid do that. But we're like, yeah, just go take the iPad in your room, close the door, make sure you go to bed by two. What are we doing? What are we doing? And not just the kids, but the adults. And if you live in a home where your phone is not totally accessible to your spouse, why? Well, I have private stuff. To, to, you are one flesh. The two become one flesh. Okay? When you're married, you've already done, you should have already seen everything. Okay? There's nothing private. And that includes not only body stuff, but phone. There should be nothing to where my wife takes my phone. Okay, what are you doing? Don't look at my phone. What? Maybe I'm stepping on some toes tonight. I don't know. I don't know if it's good preaching, but it's practical preaching. I would never walk off this platform and say, that was good preaching. But I will say that was practical preaching. Because I'm not just going to preach principles and not give you practicals. 
Because as I close, perhaps the best way to keep your marriage from adultery is to, you, can, you don't even need to play tonight. You're, you're sitting there going, what am I going to sing right now? But she's good. She already had one ready. I know. Because I'm, I'm preaching the message going, what in the world would she sing with this? Perhaps the best way to keep your marriage from adultery is to keep your marriage strong. I mean, like, I'm not defending against adultery. Every day I wake up going, I'm married to Jackie. God, help me not to fall into adultery today. I'm not, I'm not defending adultery. I'm waking up going, why would I want to look anywhere else when everything I ever wanted is already at home with me? So that doesn't, it's not like, oh, I just got lucky and found the, I did, but a lot of what marriage is, is what you're putting into it. It's, it's, it's healthy, establishing healthy things in the marriage. And so make sure to love your spouse more than your children. Another one that some people will disagree with me on. What good is it? Your kids. Well, I still love you guys. Dad's gone. But this, the, one of the greatest things you can give your kids is they know I'm in a safe environment. Mom and dad adore each other, love each other. I was just teasing Kiera. I always ask her, is it okay if I give your story? She's like, yeah, she's open. My next two, I'll have to ask them and see what happens. But she's totally open. So we're picking up stuff for youth convention today, and she's talking to me about this kid was making fun of my last. She says, he was making fun of your last name at the last Bible quiz tournament. And I was like, he was making fun of your last name too. What you talking about, my last name? <laughs> like, she's like, um, probably only for at least less than 10 years, and then it'll be different. <laughs> I was like, listen here, Rapunzel, you're going up in the bedroom and getting locked in there. She's going to Bible quiz. She's going to youth convention. I'm reminding her while she's, why she's at youth convention. Like, it's Jesus, okay? Um, but she's talking to me about that. And, uh, and I said, well, you never know. Maybe God will call you just to be single. You don't, you don't know. And she's like, no. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, okay. She's like, whatever I can do for God, I can do it with a man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not ready for these conversations, folks. And, uh, and so then I said, uh, I said, I know why you want to get married. I'm just being sarcastic now because I, I didn't know what else to say. I said, I said, I know why you want to be married because your daddy loves your mommy so much that it makes you want to be married. And she looked at me and she said, that's actually part of the reason. And I just sat there like, wow. She was like, yeah, I, I, I want to be in marriage like that. And I do a lot of things wrong. <laughs> but that was one time I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. Because our kids are looking and they're listening and they're learning. And we need to love our kids but we can't love our kids more than our spouse. We think we're doing well when we do that, but like, 
they're going to love like you do. They're going to communicate like you do. They're going to have a temper like you do. They're going to be as open with expression of love as you are, touchy as you are. Like, we have so much power and authority in our children's lives. And so I want all three of my kids at every moment of every day to say I want to be married because I look at you and mom. I hope that never changes. Romance one another again. Do fun things together. If the only thing we're doing is working, coming home and saying, honey, get the thing. The kids have been crazy. Get the food. Who's cleaning up the dishes? We got to go out. No wonder some people look elsewhere. (laughs) I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying look at the Look at the culture of your home and of your marriage. And say, okay, how can I foster a culture of healthy, holy matrimony? Because you got married because you loved each other and you looked at each other and found each other attractive. People say attraction isn't everything. Listen, how are you marry somebody that you're not attracted to? Let's be real here, okay? When I looked back in the lunch line, I did not go, she's going to make a great piano player, and she's going to make a great mid-dinner someday, and she's going to be a great mom. I looked back and was like, man, she is good looking. That's where it started. But when we started dating, we were having fun going out. We were doing stuff and having a great time. Then we get married and have kids, and we're like, fun stops, raise the children. We've got to make time to go on dates, find a babysitter, have fun, invest in the marriage. And I'm getting too comfortable because I'm supposed to be done. I'm going to stop. Start telling stories and jokes and time runs away. I will close with this. The enemy wants nothing more, nothing more to destroy your children. And one of the greatest ways that he has found to do that is to destroy your marriage. Look at statistics. Check it out. He says, man, if I can destroy the marriage, I can destroy the kids. I can destroy generations. And I can destroy churches and I can destroy society. If I can just get into the home. If the family unit is destroyed, the fabric of the church is torn. And so tonight, I'm going to ask something I never know. You know, sometimes we do things different, and you just say, that's uncomfortable. We did that with the parent message, and everybody, I had people come up and say, that was awkward. And I said, I'm sorry, we won't do it next week. I know I have a different group of people. Some are widowed, single, divorced, married. It's all over the board, I know. But if we could, if it's not too awkward, and if it is, I'm sorry. But if I could have the married couples just come stand up here, please. It's not to isolate anybody, but if there's a, there's a battle. There's a battle on these people right now. There's a battle. 
And uh, if you all would be so kind, if you'd all be so kind, if you don't mind, would, uh, would those of you who are single, widowed, divorced, whatever, it doesn't matter, would, would you mind just gathering around these people? And just putting your hands on them and just praying. Whatever God lays on your heart for them to pray. And I know a lot of you someday, you're going to be married soon and we'll be praying for you too. Don't, whatever. But tonight, your prayer is so important and so powerful. Would you mind just, just gathering around and just praying about purity and holiness and their relationship, their communication, their ability to forgive, their patience, their, the fruit of their spirit in their home, that you would just, whatever it is, that you just begin to cover. I'm not talking about Rich and Jen as a children's ministry director. I'm not talking about Jackie as a singer. I'm talking about just begin to pray for their marriage. Would you mind doing that? We got no music. It's fine. Mainly because I want to pray with my wife. But if you wouldn't mind doing that, we're just going to pray right now. And I want the married couples to pray together as we close this service out. If you're online, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Worship and that's only just a start. 